0: this is uh you know that negative thought you've been having and uh, i just uh i just can't let you try and change yourself without a fight so uh go ahead and just turn this show off okay and um uh yeah, everything's still fine this is Blindsight with your host bill lundgren an ainc original podcast you serious? we're not
1: holding back truth we're here to help you heal and become the best you possible here's the chair here's the pillow here's bill
0: Hi there, world. Welcome to another uh, podcast of Blind Sight, produced by Audio Information Network of Colorado. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren. And before I introduce our interesting guest, I want to just remind everybody that December 6th is Colorado Give Day. And it's an opportunity if you can contribute to AIN of Colorado, uh, it will be matched, and it will be a, a boon to all of us. Most volunteers give the largest bulk of the uh, man hour, person hours, but, uh, you know, we have to have money to be able to operate, and we certainly would appreciate your con- contribution. So today, I'm really pleased to welcome Heather Vogel to our program. And heather, I'm going to put the responsibility on you to tell me tell us a little bit about your uh, what you do for the, the uh, veterans administration
1: I can do that thanks for having me um I have been the bros so b r o s blind rehabilitation outpatient specialist for the columbus v a since two thousand nine and I also cover the Chillicothe station, so we have a few major stations in Ohio um, and then a bunch of C box, which are community based outpatient clinics and so um I work for two of the major hospitals, and there's only two of us for the state of Ohio, so I cover Jeez. about the middle of the state and then everything south, you know east and west, and then the other lady she works out of the Cleveland station. So I think she covers like a little bit into Michigan and then the upper half of Ohio. So it's very busy. But
0: And and you've had some time in Colorado.
1: I did. Yeah. That's actually where I started. I went to Western Michigan University. That's a big blind rehab school program. And then I moved to Pueblo for my internships, I did two internships, one in rehabilitation counseling and the other in itinerant teaching, so vision rehab therapy, and I've been doing it for so long, it used to be called something else. I think it was just rehab teaching then, But mm-hmm. um, and then I moved from Pueblo to Englewood by Denver, and then I worked for the state for like three more years there, and then I transferred to the VA system. So I know where you guys are. I miss the weather good, out there. Good.
0: Do you, <laughs> you have a sense of the population you're working with now being very different from Colorado or very similar? Because it sounds like you cover a lot of rural areas as well, do you not?
1: In I Ohio. do. I see a lot, of, a lot of cows, a lot of cornfields, lots of semi-trucks. <laughs> so... <laughs> The difference is, you know, with the VA system, I am mainly working with the older population. And when I worked for the state system in Colorado, I would have, you know, people just starting their independence, you know, 20, 21 years old and, you know, Mm. having their very first apartment. And it was just really neat. I used to work with the program that would help place like high school age individuals in employment situations and then help them accommodate the job. And I don't get to do that too much anymore. Usually people I see are long since retired and just enjoying their you know prices right every day. So <laughs> quite the difference in populations.
0: Well when do they bring you in? I mean what's the criteria for bringing you in to, to their home to, uh, to meet with them? And it, does that just apply to vets, or is it also the uh, partners of vets uh, be able to uh, avail themselves of your services?
1: Well, the criteria has changed a little bit since I started. We used to just service veterans um, that met the legal blindness standard, and they have changed that to now include veterans with just general low vision. So um, the VA does exclusively serve veterans. However, if it's a shared household where, you know, the man or the wife and their partner both can't see very well, then I certainly don't mind them sharing (laughs) devices that I give them. It's Mm -hmm, like a a relationship building activity. Right. yeah, we have hundreds of veterans that we serve.
0: What do you do when you go into the home?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. So each veteran in our like low vision area usually meets with my work partner. Um, He's a VIST coordinator, so visual impairment service team coordinator, and he does more of like the admin asking you a lot of background questions, and then he gets into the functional questions. So he actually identifies maybe three to five areas that you want to work it with or work in with me, and then he sends me a referral. So he meets with the veteran once a year, to kind of get that update on how they're doing. And then he sends me a referral. And so I usually start with that type of training. There's a really long initial assessment that we can do. I think it's like 50 different skill area tabs. And realistically, I don't have that kind of time to sit you know, with someone and ask them all of the questions. So um, that's the great thing about working with Really well versed adults is that they already know what's bothering them. We can kind of just focus on their issues at hand and then see what we discover along the way. But (laughs) the main things that I handle low vision devices, um, lots of distance aids. Everybody wants to watch football, um, access to books and different types of media, smartphones, iPads, handheld magnifiers. Cooking and meal prep. I mean, it's just such a wide range of things guys with computers and, you know, ladies that would like, I don't know, to shop a little bit more independently so they don't have to ask for help in the store, like just seeing the prices, just really day to day functional things that a lot of people don't consider, you know, before they lose some vision. And then they're a lot more difficult to complete by yourself.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I gave up cooking a little while ago because it's just too much of a pain. But uh, so what you do is go in and see what the issue is, or your your uh, partner goes in sees what the situation is, and then says to you, "Okay, uh, here's your charge. You've got to uh, pull the uh, the general functioning of the individual, and then if there are some other things like." Uh, Dealing with these spouses, discomfort with having a partner who's having trouble seeing. Who deals with that?
1: Well, a lot of times we do it together. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. I actually made a joke mm-hmm.
1: the other day that, like, the last three weeks it's been a lot of kind of relationship counseling versus actual skill training. But sometimes you just have to put the skill training on hold because they're just so frustrated. And then there's resentfulness that comes in, there's caregiver fatigue. I mean, a lot of times the spouses are exhausted, they don't know how to handle all of the changes. So, Part of the the issue is that the veteran is feeling that they're experiencing all of the changes, and that the focus should be on them. And then the spouse kind of gets left on by the wayside, um, as their their feelings aren't as validated. I guess until I Mm -hmm. I come in, or someone like me comes in and is saying, "No, like you guys are doing this together. This isn't just you." So it's hard, especially when someone is still functioning visually but not the same as they used to. That's very difficult because the only person that knows how much they cannot see is the veteran. Mm
0: -hmm. Their spouse
1: is used to the person working a whole different functional way. And so I will go in and the spouse will be like, well, they used to do this, this, and this, and now I have to do it all. And so. It's it's a little bit of a vicious cycle. I mean, you can point out that you can still do these things, but a lot of people don't want to do them anymore anyway, kind of like cooking. I don't know if you still wanted to cook or not, but there's a lot of people that give up cooking and they don't care. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to do it. anyway. They didn't want to do it before, and now they have a better excuse to not do it. So
0: right. <laughs> Yeah, frozen dinners is my that. excuse. <laughs> yeah,
1: and they're so good now that I kind of support yeah. your excuse. I mean, three minutes in the microwave, <laughs> and it's pretty good. So.
0: so I get the impression a lot of the people would be diabetes, uh, be uh, a macular de- degeneration, that type of, of issue would be in the population that you would
1: work with. Yes. So, predominantly um, age-related macular degeneration, since I am working with an older population, people that have not managed their diabetes well or haven't been able to, um, they have lasting effects with their vision. I have a handful of veterans that do have glaucoma and they kind of struggle with um, balancing mm-hmm. their pressures. And then their eye drop schedules are pretty complex. So we do that a lot. I'm not a nurse. And so I can't help them manage their medications, but I help them manage their medications, if that makes sense. Just kind yeah. of like remembering the schedule and eye drop guides and things like that. But actually administering the eye drops, no. No,
0: that's not your um, job.
1: But... No, can't do that. But I don't have a lot of traumatic injuries. Um, that's kind of a different program within the VA. It's called Polytrauma Bros. And they're mainly like on a, in a big hospital setting where a veteran may come back from a more current war era. And it's more of an intensive program where they can attend and kind of relearn everything day by day instead of me seeing them once every three weeks for two hours. So,
0: so that's kind of your schedule is every, every couple of weeks or a couple of hours to see how they're doing and, and kind of, uh, and doing some, some training and teaching.
1: Yeah, I visit people. I have like two to four home visits a day, depending on where people live. And then, um, I give out my direct phone number, so I get a lot of emergency phone calls when something won't work, especially when iPhones decide to update, (laughs) and then everyone is like locked out of their phone with the hello screen of death, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I do a lot of those calls. Same with time changes. Atomic watches are supposed to change the time for you, but they don't. Not all of them. So I usually run around like crazy when those things happen and fix them right away. But I'm on the road every day. My work partner, the VIS coordinator, he's mainly in office. He has a mobility degree, so he can help people in the community occasionally. But yeah, he mainly just meets with people in the office or on the telephone to get those annual um questionnaires done. And then I do all the functional training.
0: You might put a lot of mileage in on uh Uh, driving around in this state.
1: That is very true. And luckily for me, they give me a nice government vehicle (laughs) with a gas card so I can just (laughs) go where I need to. And I'm their favorite because I do all the maintenance too. Like I'll take the vehicle to get the oil changed so they don't have to do that. So I'm going on record. I know that I am engineering's favorite by far because i'm just that <laughs> self sufficient but yeah yeah well it's, it's fun i love podcasts you know like your show and i just i mean you turn on the some i like i don't know weird stuff too like the crime drama podcasts and everything like that and you <laughs> all of a sudden you're you know 2 hours south and you didn't even realize the time had passed so nice
0: well, what kind of uh, uh, where do you get resources to assist you in this issue? And does the does it come from the VA system, or does it come? Uh, uh, is it out of pocket for the for the vet? Uh, because you can't do everything as much as they give you that charge. But there are things where you have <laughs> yeah. to call in other resources.
1: They would love for me to do everything. Yes. So one of Mm -hmm. the biggest problems is that we don't have a lot of community resources. There's mainly state and federal. State is typically limited with the amount of money that they can spend per individual. So I'll see a lot of veterans that have already been visited by the state, and they're usually issued like a handheld magnifier and a stand magnifier and maybe a large print calendar, and that that's about it. So they're really limited. Through the VA mm. system, we can provide prosthetic devices. So these are full-size electronics, you know, magnifiers, the CCTVs that are, you know, 2,500 to $4,000. Like we can provide that for, for free to the veteran at no cost. So, that's one of the best things that the VA can do, and then we also have, so if someone needs something a little more intensive, like JAWS computer training, or if they're just learning an iPhone and they've never used a smartphone before, mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. um, blind rehabilitation centers around the country. I think there's 13 of them. And so our closest one is in Cleveland, and then a lot of people may have heard of Hines in Chicago. That's like the Mecca of blind rehab. So a veteran or, yeah, well, because it's the VA, so a veteran can go to the blind rehab center and stay and get instruction every day. So they have like an assessment period during the first week and their instructors identify like their areas of training and then they're given kind of like a class schedule so the blind rehab center is in the main cleveland va all of their like instruction classrooms are in one hallway and then all of their um the resident rooms are in the other hallway so it's kind of like in the shape of an o so it's real easy to learn and navigate through and they have all of the skill areas, so low vision, communication devices, technology, orientation and mobility. They have a really fun um, area called manual skills where a, a veteran can learn leather working and copper pressing and woodworking, just fun stuff that a lot of these folks used to do before their vision went south. And that's instruction every day until their program is finished. And they're eligible to go more than once.
0: Oh, so So this is part of the VA system.
1: It is, yeah. So we can refer someone up to a blind rehab center whenever they need that more uh, more frequent training. So if someone Mm -hmm. has a little bit of memory loss and they need that repetition that I can't provide because I only see them once every couple weeks, or if they're just now learning how to use a computer or an iPad, just more complex things, or if their spouse just passed away and they have no idea how to live on their own, they would go for a daily living skills program and learn how to function more independently.
0: So that uh, for you, is not necessarily uh, a single uh, vet, but the whole family system that you're kind of in the middle of, uh, dealing with, uh, as you can, the relationship between the spouse and the uh, and the vet and probably other family members, and, uh, and for that matter, the pets, uh, and kind of keeping things moving so the vet can, uh function and then if they need more than you can provide then you've got the resources of the of the VA to refer them if they need a training you know a training center. What about counseling for the family?
1: So counseling for the family, there's like two areas where they can go. So we do have behavioral behavioral health, excuse me, through the VA. And I do know some couples that have had a counselor visit them at their home and kind of help them through all of these adjustment periods. So there's services like that. Um, obviously, talking to me or my work partner, we help with a lot of transitions and questions. And then I believe the Blind Rehab Center has an opportunity for the spouse or the main caregiver to go up for a day or two and actually participate in the training. Oh. So <clears throat> we used to have the goggles that you could put on, the, the simulation goggles. So if, if your loved one has glaucoma, you can try on the simulation goggles and walk around for 15 minutes and see how they see. So it's kind of oh. like an immersive experience sure. that you could mm-hmm. have if you choose mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Um, a lot of the problem is family members get used to the veteran only functioning a certain way since their vision loss. And they're worried right. about the veteran's safety. Um, they're, they want their own peace of mind. You know, they don't want the veteran out operating the heavy woodworking machinery in the garage when they live alone. And the veteran is just like, screaming, like, I can do this, you know, like, I learned how to do this. And I was so, I was totally safe. You know, I have my confidence back, like, let me do it. So that's part of what they have to deal with when they go back home, is convincing their family that they did have the training, and they were absolutely successful. And they have the support of all of their instructors that yes, they can do this safely. So that's kind of like, I help with the transference Mm. when they come home. But if they do go up to the Blind Rehab Center, then the family member can kind of experience it themselves. They can see their loved one doing it and then go from there.
0: As I listen to you, I'm sure the uh, listeners or non-vets uh, can identify with the things that you're presenting, but how many times do you uh, see the Uh, The individual client, do you, you know, is it just like three times or uh, you see them for a year or or how does that work?
1: I am a lifer. So (laughs) until I retire, I will see you as many times as you need for me to see you. I have people that I see once a month and I have for years because they always have like Mm. all of these little recurring issues, um, either personally or with their devices. And so I just go and, you know, help them fix everything. Some people, it's a comfort thing. They just want to kind of vent to someone who, who understands. And then I have some people that are very strong minded individuals and they need two visits and I never see them again. So Mm. I, but you, I mean, I'm here for you. <laughs> they can call me, and that's, I go. So
0: that's wonderful. I mean, to be able to have that kind of ongoing support because sometimes you get into a system, and then you drop as soon as your things are a little better, and they have to look for other people to uh, uh, to jump in. But uh, do you? And if if you spot some other things, for you know, let let be honest about it, if there's uh alcohol problem or or uh uh, drug addiction you hear kind of uh, a hint dropped by a spouse or you have some sense what happens then do do you have the right to be able to say okay i think this needs to be checked out or uh, are your hands tied
1: well i have little bit of a duty to report because I am going into their home environment and if it's you know an adult safety issue then you kind of have to gamble with you know the rapport that you just built with this person so I'm very transparent with people if I see or experience an issue with them then I tell them right then and then i offer them services so okay and mm-hmm. if i if mm-hmm. it's something very serious like their safety i say i i have to tell someone about this sure
0: absolutely so mm-hmm. well, what if, what about uh i think one of the things that really is difficult particularly with an older person uh who's losing their vision is the social contact and they've got the contact with you are there veteran groups, for example, that a person who's losing their vision can hook into or, uh, you know, resources in that way that are not official, but kind of you encourage them to uh, participate in?
1: We personally have one, it's it's called the VIST support group, so V-I-S-T support group. And this is the only, one of the only great things that came out of the whole COVID experience was we were all forced to encourage contact, you know, with people staying in their homes. So my work partner started his support group instead of once a month, he made it once a week. So veterans could call in every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. They would just talk for an hour and a half and they just thrived. Everybody loved it. Um, the Blind Rehab Center started doing remote groups and remote training, so we're the VA's really big on Video Connect right now. They will issue you an iPad that is restricted, but it will let you video chat with your providers, and it's free. Oh. So if you can't make it into the clinic or you still don't feel comfortable coming into the clinic... Um, you can just video connect with your provider. And so they had the hookup with behavioral health groups and things like that. So we do a lot with like the talking books. Um, we do a lot with echo devices so that they have like, even if it's an artificial form of contact, it's still available to them. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. We tried I- to
1: keep, yeah. We tried to keep people integrated. With their communities but the va i've heard people say this before like the va is its own entity we're like we're in our own bubble so as much as we would love more community resources they just don't seem to be very prevalent and that's a big Mm. complaint among the people that i serve too we have a performance survey that you know they're asked questions after i visit them or complete their training and that's one of the things like can you do everything that you want to do and it's always no and do you have access to community resources and it's usually a no not as much as i want because they just don't exist Hmm. so if i can get people on facebook to join facebook groups or you know to subscribe to the podcast that they love or hooked up with talking books or hooked up with our support group to listen to. They seem to do a lot better, but I do have some veterans that just want to be left alone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. But when the, I'm 85,
1: the... I might feel that way too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the, the the thing is these uh, things that came up, uh, during the covid epidemic while it's still going on are they going are they going to be permanent fixtures or are they is uh those groups uh tele telegroups uh going to be disbanded as uh, we come out of the uh uh COVID, or is that going to be a continue to be a a support to the events
1: our local group has continued i think that they might back it down to once every two weeks instead of once Uh, every week but mm -hmm. he is receiving quite a bit of pushback because so many veterans love having it every week every tuesday
0: right so i'm not sure Mm -hmm.
1: what he's gonna decide yet but unfortunately Um, The blind rehab centers, when they were closed, like not accepting new patients because of COVID and everything was shut down, that was what they were doing was all remote groups. And now that they've reopened and they have veterans right in front of them that need training, they haven't been able to do the remote groups as often. I believe Uh. that they still have the physical activity ones like yoga and tai chi and things like that. So a lot of the recreational therapists have maintained their groups. So those are still going on. Um but that's a little bit tougher cuz you have to have a a person with the capacity to operate a smart device to access these groups.
0: Right. Right. Mhm. Mhm.
1: That learning curve is is a hill you guys.
0: <laughs> oh, I I know. I know that well. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a little little trouble even turning on the phone and answering it. You know, it's like I'm it, uh, gonna ram my finger through the phone trying to get it to uh, to respond.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, and you're if you're a voiceover user, like that double tap yeah. is just like a fine tuned art. Either you, you gotta perfect it, or your phone will just you're just gonna want to throw it every day.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Right, and be able to uh, to understand what it's trying to tell me, and also what page you and You know, we could go through the whole thing. But what yeah. is there something that you feel? Uh, would you be able to say some something that frustrates you about the system? Because I'm sure there must be plenty. because you sound like someone who really wants to give everything to your to your clients?
1: I do. Would you feel comfortable? If you Hmm. don't,
0: yeah, that sounds. Yeah, you'd like to see. No, there's so many
1: things. (laughs) There's so many things, you guys. Um. Well, we've come a long way since I started, for sure. I mean, now if you are considered a legally blind veteran, you are in a different catastrophic category. It's called um, catastrophically disabled category four. And so that means you have no co-pays, no medication costs. And that was not a thing when I first worked at the VA. So
0: sure, mm-hmm. so
1: many of my veterans are doing better with that. But I would say our biggest complaint now is that the VA system likes to make a lot of changes. <laughs> and they're not, helpful changes. So the whole VA system is changing to a new medical record system. And my station in Columbus was one of the first ones to to switch over. And it's it's not user friendly. It's been very frustrating. It's in it's so difficult to find information for the veterans that they're looking for. So I'm like a one-stop shop for veterans, whether they need to get in contact with primary care or audiology, right. they mm-hmm. have my mm-hmm. direct number. So they call me all the time and I try to find this information for them and it's just so difficult now. Even trying mm. to get in contact with their providers, you have to do it a certain way and you can't see if they've received the message <laughs> or oh, if they've acted yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you're almost doing double the work. For a veteran, you know, this should have taken me two minutes to provide this answer to them, and now it's three days. So that's probably my biggest gripe.
0: But I can understand that, yeah. Anytime you have a big system like the VA, yeah.
1: Yeah, I work with so many great people, though. Like, these are the most understanding people that I have ever met. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing (laughs) or what, but... Mm -hmm. They just know, I, maybe they can sense that we're really trying hard for them, but, you know, they're just so gracious and they're like, you'll get around to it when you can. And so I'm very lucky that I don't have more more demanding people. But
0: sure. Absolutely. So that's one of the plus sides of your job is just the people that you work with. Uh, I'm sure the, the, the core that you have, plus the 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 clients that come into the system.
1: Yes, both of my grandfathers had passed before I was born, and now, like, I have six hundred (laughs) grandpas around the state, (laughs) and they—I mean—they treat me like I'm family. And sometimes they'll be like, "You are family. You're you're the daughter I never had," or "I have two daughters," and they just—they always. I mean they just spoil them rotten whenever they can they'll be like i made your girls cookies i mean it's just <laughs> it's so much fun to get to know all yeah. of these different people i just i can't even say it enough you guys i have the best job in the world regardless oh, of that's... the politics you know of the federal yeah. system but yeah it's the people that really that really do it for us
0: That sounds great. And that's a, a great note for us to end this interview with. I appreciate your being on and sharing with us uh, your life working within the VA system, because it's kind of a mystery for those who are outside the system. And, uh, sure. you know, it's certainly uh, uh, they're lucky to have people with the enthusiasm that you have, uh, because it's, it's a big system. It's a bureaucracy and you need somebody with your enthusiasm to do the work. So I appreciate you being on.
1: Well, thank you. Absolutely.
0: Is there any last word you want to leave with our audience about this whole issue of the vet or blindness about uh, something that you'd like to impart impart to them?
1: Yes. So The VA used to not be so great, especially for the Vietnam veterans that came back. I would encourage everyone out there if you are a veteran and you're hesitant about coming to the VA for care, or if one of your family members is in that same spot and they're having trouble with their vision, just please give us a shot. Blind rehabilitation is so different from all of the other parts of the VA. We are definitely here to try to help you. Just give us a chance and I promise it'll be worth it. And if it's not, y'all can email me <laughs> and I'll, I'll try to fix it for you. <laughs> but yes, we are okay. here to help. So.
0: <laughs> and you're a shining example of it. Thank you uh, for for being on Heather and uh, you know, we'll keep in touch.
1: Then, definitely, thank you.
0: and I'm signing off Bill Lundgren your host for Blindsight and tune in for the next program